Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hello and welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Basketball Show. I'm your host, Trey Scott. Today, we are counting down 24-7 Sports' preseason top 25 rankings with the help of national basketball writer Kevin Flaherty. Before we get started, we'd love for you guys to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating. Let's go. Coming in at number two in the 24-7 Sports College Basketball Countdown are the fighting Snoop Dogs. I mean, the Jayhawks of Kansas. Everyone wants to talk about late night in the fog and Snoop Dogg and Coach Self dropping bags in social media videos. But Kevin, I want to start on the court. The on and off numbers with Yudoka Azubuke last year were shocking. 9-0 with him on the court, 16-9 without. What does it mean to have him back for Kansas? Well, and even beyond that, you look at the specifics and, you know, Kansas wound up uh, defensively when, when you look at Kansas's, you know, raw defensive efficiency and not to not to get too into the weeds here or whatever, but do it. But Kansas's raw defensive efficiency last year was 60th in the nation. Um, and when Azubuki was on the court, Kansas had the equivalent of the number two defense in the nation. Uh, for, from a raw efficiency standpoint. And, and the crazy thing is, is Azubuki doesn't make free throws. You know, he doesn't really have any semblance of an outside shot. Uh, he turns the ball over every now and then. And yet Kansas's offense was so much better when, when he was in as well. And the reason why is you have to dedicate two or three bodies to that guy or, or he's going to be putting his armpit in the rim. And, and when you do that, it leaves things open for ball movement, for open shots. Kansas made better than 40% of its three-pointers last year when Azubuki was in the ball game, and that sort of dropped off a cliff after uh, after he wound up getting hurt and things had to change around a little bit. And so getting him back, it, it's huge for the defense. It's huge for the offense. And I, I know some people have him as an All-American. To me, he's not going to put up the counting numbers, I don't think, to be an All-American. But the impact numbers are, are going to be there when you look at what Kansas is going to be with Azubuki on the court and, and what Kansas is going to be when he's not on the court. Yeah, absolutely. When you, when you look at Azubuki on the floor, he completely changes the gravity, both on the offensive and defensive end. But at the same time, you have Devon Dotson, who many people think might be Kansas's best player, also a contender for All-American. Do you think he could be Kansas's best player this year? He, he absolutely could be you know he he's somebody that is an absolute flamethrower in the open in the open court I mean it's he he was one of the fastest guys in college basketball last year with the uh, with the ball in his hands and the the scary thing for opponents with him is you know he went out to to test the waters after the season and and he almost wound up going and the reason why he almost wound up going was all these NBA scouts were saying well he shot the ball from the outside so much better. Than, 
we thought he would in, in those workouts. And so if that translates onto the court this year, if Dotson becomes, you know, a 38, 40, 42% three-point shooter, that just makes it that much harder to stay in front of him. The guy I think not enough people are talking about potentially as Kansas's best player is Ochai Baji. You know, he was somebody that in their two scrimmages so far just absolutely, you know, lit everything up. He's a terrific athlete, has NBA body, and last year, you know, he shot the ball for a little while, well for a little while, kind of faded out, you know, as you see freshmen do. But he, he went in the offseason, he worked on his handle. It's so apparent that he's so much more comfortable handling the ball. And his shot is back up to where it, it looks beautiful. He's getting results with it. And so if he's able to knock down those outside shots, show off the expanded scoring game like – he should be able to, then Then he's somebody who could be Kansas's best player this year as well. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you're saying that Kansas is going to be a good three-point shooting team this year. Yeah, and it, it's kind of a surprise, and it's funny that you say it and, and put it like that because Kansas went out, and, and we've talked a little bit through these previews about teams who have landed graduate transfers to fill needs, and Kansas looked like it was going to be an awful shooting team this year. And they went out and landed Isaiah Moss, the the graduate transfer from Iowa, who is one of the truly elite, you know, spot-up shooters across the nation. And one of the things that Moss said in one of his first interviews when he got on campus was he goes, man, this team has a lot more firepower than I was told or than I thought. Because everybody was saying, well, thank goodness Kansas gets Isaiah Moss. You know, that may solve this issue. And he got there and said, man, well, maybe this wasn't that big of an issue all along. But certainly having Moss is another guy in that group who can uh, who can hit three point shots at a better than 40 percent clip. I think he was in like the 98th or 99th percentile in, in open spot up shooting last year, according to Synergy. And so having somebody like that on your wing, just sort of setting up while you while you deliver the ball inside to Tidoka Azubuki, that makes for a pretty scary uh, combination. Mm -hmm. When it comes to the tournament time, they're going to need someone to be the lockdown defender on the outside. Who's that going to be? Marcus Garrett is one of the best defenders in in the Big 12, if not the country. But not as many people, I think, know about him outside of the Big 12. Because, one, he's sort of a glue guy. He doesn't put up the, the numbers and everything. But I think the other part of it is the fact that Kansas has had so many injury issues and, and different things that Garrett's played the four for him quite a bit as a as a six foot five, six foot six guard. And so he he has the long arms and he has the ability to defend fours. And yet Kansas's first exhibition game when Devon Dotson sat it out with with just like a little injury, he played the point guard position and defended the opposing point guard. And so he's somebody who can legitimately defend you know, one through four or so. And and in this season where, you know, Kansas has the players at, at the four that they're going to want and they're going to need, Garrett can kind of get back to, to defending wings and defending guards like he was always meant to. And I think people are going to see him jump off the page as a defender. Wow. Sounds like you're saying, yeah, you know, coach, coach self just has an embarrassment of riches. And the last of them, Silvio D'Souza finally eligible, you know, as a Maryland fan, I don't know if I should feel jealous or relieved that he's in Kansas, but what's he, what's he going to offer the Jayhawks now that he's going to be on the court? I think the biggest thing is just going to be 
his energy and his motor because there aren't a whole lot of guys who are built like he is that have his athleticism and attack the glass the way that he does. He gets his hands on just about every rebound. You know, he was a huge part of the reason that Kansas went to the final four a couple years ago as a, not just a true freshman, but don't forget he was a high school kid for the first semester and then enrolled at Kansas at semester when he should have been going to prom and all of that. He was grabbing 10 rebounds against Duke in the elite eight. And and so his head was spinning And, and that's, our comparison point so far really for DeSosa and a lot of people want to act like, Hey, he's the same player that we saw then. Well, that was two years ago, one. So he's had, you know, multiple seasons to work on his game Two, the last time we saw him, he hadn't even put in a full season and was kind of, you know, thrown right into uh, thrown right from the skillet into the fire. And, and so I, I think the biggest things he bring, he, he is one of the nation's truly elite rebounders. The fascinating thing for for Kansas will be how they deal with that four spot next to Azubuki. You know, in in the first scrimmage that they played, the first exhibition, excuse me, uh, they they started DeSosa next to him in in sort of this monstrous lineup. And then in the second game, they went with David McCormick, who's another center, even bigger. And, and, you know, they had even more success with that. And, And DeSosa really impacted the game from an energy standpoint as sort of that first big off the bench. And so he he's somebody that, that gives them depth. He gives them the chance to, to potentially start at the four, although right now it, it looks like McCormick may have a, may have a great line to that spot as well. But he's, he's going to be in that rotation. He's going to play starter-type minutes, and, and he is one of the reasons I, I think Kansas has the best front court in college basketball. I'm almost embarrassed to ask this this last question. There's so much talent in Kansas and obviously an amazing coaching staff, but does it matter? Is this season inevitably going to be vacated? I don't know that it is. And the reason I say that is, one, I think the length of the NCAA appeals process and everything, I don't think it's going to affect this year. Uh, I think the the penalties that are levied or whatever, they aren't going to go on on this year's team. Kansas should still be eligible to to play in the NCAA tournament, and that's if the NCAA does wind up, you know, a- actually going ahead and, and saying, you know, to heck with your appeal, we're we're going to slam the book at you. I still don't think that affects this season. I think Kansas is going to to get the chance to play in this NCAA tournament. Uh, I think that any penalties would start, you know, for next year in terms of, of loss of scholarships or anything that could potentially happen there. And I think that any vacations of wins or, or things that you're talking about are going to be on previous year's teams because there isn't anybody on this year's team that the NCAA hasn't already dealt with uh, from, from that standpoint. And what I mean by that is, you know, obviously last year, DeSosa sat out the season. They, the NCAA could theoretically go back uh, to DeSosa's freshman year and say you have to, to vacate that Final Four, you have to vacate that season, which I think is a little bit silly. But then DeSosa served his penalty, and now the NCAA has said he's eligible for this year. And there isn't a single other player on roster who's even mentioned in any of the NCAA charges. And so I think this year is going to stand up. Uh, The biggest questions will be, one, 
uh, does the NCAA, in fact, you know, try to throw the book at Kansas? And I think the bigger one, and I think the one that would probably merit a, a podcast, a movie of the week, and, you know, a, a six-part, you know, Ken Burns documentary is going to be what Kansas does from there. Because when you look at Kansas's language and the way that, that Kansas sort of vehemently denied the charges and everything, uh, that was pretty lawyer speak to me. And what I mean by that is I'm not enti- I would not be entirely shocked if Kansas files its appeal, if the NCAA says, you know what, we're not hearing that, we're going to penalize you anyway, if Kansas decides, you know what, we're going to go over your head, we're going to take this thing to the courtroom and see what happens there. And if that happens, you know, all all bets are off because I, I think that it, it could be tough for the NCAA to, to prove its case in, in a courtroom as opposed to uh, proving its case in its own courtroom where it is the, the quote-unquote judge, jury, and executioner. Well, without question, there's going to be intrigue when it comes to the Kansas Jayhawks. I'm personally rooting for more Snoop Dogg content, but no matter what, Kansas at number two is going to be an exciting team to watch. Next episode on the 24-7 Sports College Basketball Countdown, we have reached the final team. Number one, you guessed it, Michigan State. Ready? Go. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Hang on! It's off the charts spectacular. Go, go, go! Tom Cruise has outdone himself. The world's coming after you. Stay out of my way. Prepare for one of the best action movies ever made. This is getting exciting. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13.